Hi there. Thank you for choosing to listen to this sermon. We pray that God would use this as an added resource to benefit you in conjunction with you belonging to a local church near you. This sermon was preached at Central Baptist Church Pretoria. 130 years of believers loving God, caring for one another and impacting the world. Father God in heaven. This morning Lord, we would hear your word. As we read, would you give us understanding as we as we listen to your word being taught, Lord, would you stir the affections of our hearts? Father God, this morning would you be glorified here in this place? We need Jesus. We are a needy people. We need him every hour. We need him this very minute. By your holy spirit, would you would you raise Jesus up that we might see him? And then Lord God as we study your word might our lives be transformed that you might receive much praise and glory from a people which has been set aside for yourself in this place in this city in this country on our continent Glorify yourself this morning we pray In the wonderful name of Jesus Christ Amen Friends, for the last number of weeks, we've been going through a series looking at particular points in the book of Acts which speak of growth, which speak of multiplication, uh, which speak of gospel triumph. We return to the book of Acts for the last time, I, I think, uh, this morning. Uh, we're in Acts chapter 19, reading from verse 11 to verse 20. Acts chapter 19, beginning at verse 11. Would you hear the word of God? And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick and their diseases left them and the evil spirits came out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits saying I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims seven sons of the Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this but the evil spirit answered them Jesus I know and Paul I recognize but who are you and the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them mastered all of them and overpowered them so that they fled out of his house naked and wounded and this became known to all the residents of Ephesus both Jews and Greeks and fear fell on them all and the name of the lord jesus was extolled also many of those who are now believers came confessing and divulging their practices and a number of those who had practiced magic arts 
brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and it found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. Just so far, amen, just so far in the reading of God's word. On February the 8th, 2023, just a month ago, several students at Ashbury University lingered after a chapel service. They stayed to pray and sing all night. Other students came and joined in and and fairly soon, before long, the entire auditorium was filled. Non-stop prayer and worship services for two weeks straight. Now I've watched the, the news reports on social media and I've read opinion pieces in various different blogs. I imagine you might have too. Many have described what happened as a revival. This morning, I want us to ask the question, what does revival look like? Does the Bible have anything to say about city-wide revivals? In Acts chapter 19, the city of Ephesus experiences a revival. And the lives of thousands of people are changed forever. Step through the text together with me, verse 11 in your own Bibles. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick and their diseases left them and the evil spirits came out of them. Paul had spent now two years in Ephesus teaching the believers. And all that time, God authenticated his ministry with extraordinary miracles. What is a miracle? A miracle is a supernatural intervention of God where he overrides his own natural order. Miracles are signs, pointing witnesses of the miracle to God. Miracles are illicit wonder, stirring the witnesses' hearts with awe. Miracles authenticate the messenger of God. Miracles authenticated Moses to Pharaoh. Miracles authenticated Elijah to Ahab. Miracles authenticated Jesus Christ to the whole world. Miracles authenticated the teaching ministry of the apostles. Miracles authenticate the messenger of God. Now, what is an extraordinary miracle? I mean, if miracles are already miraculous, what is an extraordinary miracle? Well, in this case, in Ephesus, handkerchiefs or aprons. 
that had touched his skin were being carried away to the sick and the diseases were leaving them and spirits came out of them. Luke writes that these miracles were unusual even for Paul. Now there are two dangers that we can fall into here. The first danger is to deny that these unusual miracles occurred at all. Do not do that. Do not deny God as the God of the miraculous. Do not deny God as the God of the supernatural. Do not deny God as the God of the extraordinary. These unusual miracles occurred. The second danger is to believe that we should imitate these unusual miracles. Luke describes what happened in Ephesus. Luke is not prescribing what we should be doing today. Uh, Liesl and I are due for a holiday. I think we're looking at April. Um, on holiday, there'll often be a TV in the unit where we stay. Uh, we don't have a television at home, and so holiday time is catch-up time. I, I, I flick through the channels, normally late at night when everyone's gone to see, to see what the, the world is watching. And I check the Christian stations too. On our last holiday, I landed on TBN, where a tele-evangelist named Paula White duped her followers into buying a prayer cloth. There is nothing miraculous about Paula White's prayer cloth. It's magic, at best, it's superstition, definitely it is manipulation. But it is not miraculous. It does not matter if it's Paula White or Benny Hinn, it is a shameless money-making scheme. We are not supposed to imitate these unusual miracles. Paul had spent two years in Ephesus teaching the believers. And all of that time, God had authenticated his ministry with extraordinary miracles. Things are, are going really well at this stage. But whenever God is at work, when, whenever um, things are happening, Satan and his minions are sure to follow. Read in your Bibles verse 13 and following. Some of the iterant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits saying, I abjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of a, a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this. Paul's tremendous success at Ephesus attracted imitators, religious practitioners who dabbled in religious rituals and words. In the gospel, Jesus had spoken of Jews casting out demons. Now, over time, a, a whole industry of traveling Jewish exorcists emerged. It was a blend of Judaism and pagan magic rituals and words. Ephesus was the, the center of magical writings and occult practices. So it's not surprising to find these roaming religious charlatans here. 
These men identified themselves as the seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva. History has no record of a Jewish high priest named Sceva. This is just plain fraud. These men might say that they are the seven sons of a Jewish high priest, but it is unlikely. They, they invoke the name of Jesus Christ. They use the name of Jesus like a magic word, hocus pocus, or um, abracadabra, or uh, alakazam. But Jesus is not a magic word that you can add on to the end of your prayers or an incantation. Jesus is a person. To invoke the name of Jesus as an incantation is syncretism. Syncretism is the blending of two or more religions, a a little bit of Judaism, a, a little bit of magic, and a little bit of Christianity. Whatever the people want, whatever the people will pay for. We do this here in Africa too. A little bit of African traditional religion, a little bit of Christianity. Whatever the people want, whatever the people will pay for, God hates syncretism. Moses wrote, They shall be found among you, or they shall not be found among you, anyone who burns his son or his daughter as an offering, Anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes or interprets omens or a sorcerer or a charmer or a medium or a necromancer or one who inquires of the dead for whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord. God said, for you shall worship No other God for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. God hates syncretism. Paul's tremendous success at at Ephesus has attracted imitators, religious practitioners who dabble in rituals and words and they are using the name of the Lord Jesus illegitimately. But would the illegitimate invocation of the name of the Lord Jesus be effective? Read with me in your own Bibles, verse 15 and following. But the Spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered all of them and overpowered them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. Well, that exorcism went terribly wrong. (laughs) Friends, demons know Jesus. This demon knows Jesus instinctively. Demons know that Jesus is the preexistent son of God. And demons know Jesus as the incarnational son of God. Demons know Jesus. And this demon also knows Paul. Maybe he heard of Paul's activity over the past two years in Ephesus. Or or maybe Paul's fame was the talk of the spiritual underworld. I don't know. But what I do know is that this demon also knows Paul. 
But this demon is absolutely unaware of who the Freudian sons of Sceva are. His question is emphatic, with an undertone of sarcasm. Literally it reads, but you, who are you? The demon did not recognize the authority of the sons of Sceva, and whilst they used the name that is above all names, they had no right to it. They had no relationship with Jesus Christ. And then all hell breaks loose. It, it, it sounds funny reading it. Uh, the, the fake exorcists running out of the house stripped naked, but it must have been a very scary event to live through. The demon wounded them. The word wounded is in the perfect tense. It, it indicates that the assault was very severe and took them a long time to recover from. That exorcism went horribly wrong. How would the city of Ephesus respond when news of this failed exorcism in the name of Jesus breaks? Read with me in verse 17. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. There is no news like bad news. These fake, naked, wounded exorcists became the talk of the town. Everybody knew their story, and fear fell upon all. The whole city came under the fear of God. Unbelievers, if you are seated here this morning, and I assume in a crowd this size there are, unbelievers should fear the Lord. And by the Lord, I mean Jesus. Jesus is coming soon to judge the world and cast into eternal hell all those who are at enmity with him. Believers should fear the Lord. Not with the phobic fear of the unbeliever. We are not scared of Jesus. Our fear is a reverential fear that, that impacts the way that we live. Our reverential fear should result in respect for Jesus, obedience to Jesus, submission to Jesus, the worship of Jesus, all for Jesus. The city came under the fear of the Lord. Is that possible? A whole city like that? Let me give you a biblical example and a modern day example. First, the biblical example. Now, Nineveh was exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, yet 40 days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. The city of Nineveh was revived. The city came under the fear of the Lord. Here's a modern day example. The Welsh revival occurred between 1904 and 1905 when a young man named Evan Roberts preached a four-point sermon. First, 
You must confess your sins, your known sins, and you must make all of your wrongs right. Second, you must put away any doubtful habits. Third, you must obey the Spirit promptly. Fourth, you must confess your faith publicly. Approximately 70,000 souls came to faith in the first two months. And over the period of that revival, over 100,000 souls came to faith. The country of Wales was revived. The country came under the fear of the Lord. The city of Ephesus extolled the name of the Lord Jesus. To, To extol the name is to praise. The psalmist said, praise the Lord, all you nations, extol him, all you people, for great is his steadfast love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. And they praised the name, the name of Jesus, the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Amen. The city of of Ephesus extolled the name of the Lord Jesus. The object of their affection was the person of Jesus Christ, their Savior. Now, Let's ask the question that we asked at first. What does revival look like? Read with me in verse 18. Also, many of those who are now believers came, confessing and divulging their practices. And a number of those who had practiced the magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all and they counted the value of them and found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. Friends, salvation looks like something. Jesus taught that salvation looks like something in his parables. Uh, You'll know the parable. Uh, A sower goes out to sow. And and as he sows, some seed scatters along the path and the birds come and devour them. Other seed fell amongst the, the rocky ground where they did not have much soil and immediately they sprang up. But since they had no depth of soil, but when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seed fell amongst the thorns. And when the thorns grew up, they choked them out. Other seed fell on good soil and produced grain. Some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. The point is, salvation looks like something. A, a harvest of grain, 30, 60, and a hundredfold. Again, Jesus taught a parable that salvation looks like something. He said, for no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree produce good fruit, for each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. 
The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. The evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. The point is that salvation looks like something. A good person produces a good treasure out of a good heart. What did revival look like in Nineveh? The people of Nineveh believed God and they called for a fast and put sackcloth and from the greatest of them to the least of them. In the city of Nineveh, revival looked like fasting and sackcloth. What did revival look like in the country of Wales? Approximately 70,000 souls came to faith in the first two months and over 100 souls by the end of the revival. During the time of the revival, the police were left with virtually nothing to do and the courts were empty. Saloons and bars shut down for lack of business. Public drunkenness was almost non-existent. All debts, many long forgotten, were paid off in full. Traveling, theatrical agencies canceled the engagements as everyone was in church. Profanity disappeared. It was said that horses everywhere were in complete confusion. They'd been accustomed to responding to their master's profane shouts and kicks and cursing, virtually all of which disappeared. In the country of Wales, revival looked like obedience and life change. What did revival look like in the city of Ephesus? New converts were publicly confessing their sin. They, they repented. They, they, they turned away from their syncretic beliefs and their change in practice followed their change in mind. We have no record of Paul casting out a demon during this revival. But the new believers were casting out their demonic practices. Repentance is a change of mind. It's more than just remorse for sin. Repentance is more than just regret for sin. It's more than just feeling bad for sin. Repentance is a term for a complete change of orientation involving a judgment upon the past and a deliberate redirection for the future. The call to repentance resounds through Scripture. In the Old Testament, people would fast. They, they would wear sackcloth. They would sit in ashes. They would wail to express their sorrow for sin. The judges, the kings, the prophets all called God's people to turn away from sin and to turn back to God. In the New Testament, John the Baptist preached, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus Christ himself preached, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Peter the apostle preached, repent and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. Paul preached 
the times of ignorance God has overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. A commentator summarizes true biblical repentance as characterized by four elements. First, true repentance involves a sense of awareness of one's own guilt, of one's own sinfulness, of one's own helplessness. Second, True repentance takes hold of God's mercy available only in the person of Jesus Christ. Third, true repentance means a change of attitude and action about sin. A hatred of sin turns the repentant person away from his or her sin and toward the person of God. And fourth, True repentance results in a radical and persistent pursuit of holy living, walking with God in obedience to his commands. What did revival look like in the city of Ephesus? Revival looked like city-wide repentance, a turning of sin and a turning to God because salvation looks like something. Friend, do you fear the return of Jesus who comes to judge you of your sin? Because you know that on that day you will face judgment with no hope of salvation. Are you dead in your trespasses and sin? Like the seven sons of Sceva, do you know the name of Jesus but do not know the person of Jesus Christ? Let me tell you about him. Jesus came into this world and died for your sin on a cross as a sinless sacrifice. The righteous one for unrighteous ones. Jesus rose from the grave in victory over death. Turn from your sin and put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. Would you do so right now, this very moment? Repent and believe that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus. What was the harvest in Ephesus? Read verse 20 in your own Bibles together with me. So the word of the Lord continue to increase and prevail mightily. The word of the Lord is a synonym for the gospel in the book of Acts. The the book of Acts is all about how churches grow. Acts is about the spread of the gospel, how God's word continues to conquer souls despite opposition in every age even to the present. Acts is about how the gospel triumphs. So, how did the gospel triumph in Ephesus? The gospel triumphed as new believers praised the name of the Lord Jesus. The gospel triumphed as the city publicly repented of its syncretic beliefs. How does this apply 
to us. As a church, we will preach repentance in light of what we know about sin. Every sin is grievous. And the smallest of sins, humanly speaking, is sufficient for condemnation. And so we will preach repentance as the only hope to every sinner. Sinner seated here this morning, there is hope for you today in Jesus Christ. Friend, are you praying for a family member or a friend of yours? Do not lose hope for even a moment. As a church, we will preach repentance in the light of what we know about Jesus. Whilst every sin is grievous, even the biggest sins is not beyond the ability of Jesus Christ to save. Are you a mighty sinner? Look to Jesus. He is a mighty savior. Are you fearful for a family member or a friend whose iniquities look great? Point them to Jesus. He alone can atone. As a church, we will preach repentance in light of our city's sin. The people of Pretoria do not love God with all their heart and soul and mind and strength. We are a murderous people, a sexually immoral people, a corrupt people, a fraudulent people, a people who are consumed with material gain. We will warn our city that those that live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. As a church, we will preach assurance to those that have repented. Forgiveness is certain to those who have truly repented. Have you called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? Then rejoice. Jesus promises you, I give you eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. As a church, we will preach repentance because our desire is to see men and women saved. And we know that salvation is only to those who have turned from their sin and cast themselves upon the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. What's happening at the Ashbury University? Is it a revival? I don't know. But I do hope so. I hope that the lives of thousands of people there will be changed forever. And I pray that for Pretoria, even right now. A city-wide repentance. A city-wide revival. To God's praise and to his glory. Amen. Let's close in a word of prayer. Repent and believe. Do it at once. Do not delay. 
even as the Savior passes by, grab hold of him. For now is the hour of salvation. The gates of heaven are wide open and they will receive all who come. Not one will be turned away. Friend, this morning, if you have seen Jesus Christ, call on his name and live. Profess him as Lord with your lips and believe that God raised him from the dead with your heart. God is faithful. Salvation will be yours. To those who have fallen into sin, even grievous sin, do not delay. Repent. Turn back to the Lord Jesus Christ. Glorify him with your testimony, with your life with your eternity. Oh Lord God, we long to see you glorified in this place and in this city. Would you be so kind to us as to give us a measure of your spirit, causing men and women to repent of their sins and cast themselves upon your son, Jesus Christ, that they might glorify you this day and forevermore. Amen. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this sermon. Find out more about Central Baptist Church at www.central.org.za.